Thanks for listening to Learning More. It's Russ with you. And okay, so I, I did that daily show, the This Is Today, uh, just letting you know that that may be coming back. We'll, we'll reveal some stuff on that later. But anyway, in that, I got to learn all these cool things every single day, it seemed like, about like presidential history, right? Something about the president happened on every day. And these are one of those things that I like totally nerd out about. And today I'm kind of excited because I get to nerd out with somebody that also is really excited about presidential history. I found her article, it's in the conversation, um, about uh, the relatives of presidents. And, you know, maybe some of those, uh, they, they do some not so great things and become <laughs> infamous for something. Um, anyway, uh, that is our topic today. We're going to talk about the um, relatives of the president. And I'm sure we're going to geek out about some other stuff here. Shannon O'Brien is the Associate Professor of Instruction at the University of Texas at Austin. Uh, I went by there. It's an awesome place. Um, and, you know, uh, we'll probably end up talking about barbecue too here. Uh, Shannon, thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for inviting me. I really appreciate it. It's it's great. I'm, I'm, I love talking about presidential stuff. So I will, and barbecue. Um, but I'll. Okay, I'll, perfect. I'll talk perfect. about that stuff. Well, yeah. And by the way, in Austin, yeah, Texas, the, the, the university campus is a pretty cool place. I'll admit it. it really is. It's beautiful. And and the library at the LBJ is amazing. All the different, like, it's massive. It is. Like, I um, My favorite is creepy Chuck E. Cheese LBJ. Um, cre- <laughs> because <laughs> if you go, well, they used to have them up in the second floor. And he, they used to have him on a, on a post and he looked like this bad Halloween animatronic, but they had audio. And so he'd like be telling stories. Now yeah. they, when they did their reno a couple of years ago, they put him downstairs. He's a little less creepy, but he's still kind of Chuck E. Cheesy. Uh, they have him uh, behind a podium and he's, you know, animatronic LBJ. Uh-oh. Oh, you know, I I didn't see the animatronic. I did the phone where I could listen to the phone calls or whatever from LBJ. I did, I did that. I don't remember the uh, animatronic one. Yeah, those are super cool. I, I do like the phone calls. I, uh, yeah, um, they've been really neat in my life because I had a, a student a few years ago who was like, he uh, he's from one of these big families, and you never know until you know you talk to your students about like who they are or where they're from. And I won't say which family, but he's from one of these families. His his, his great grandfather's best friend was LBJ, and he's like, you know, mm. I know I don't really know too much. About, I was like, do you want to hear him? And he was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, <laughs> give me a minute, and I pull up. He's like, oh my gosh that that's that's grandpa and i'm like yeah and he's like i i gotta go now i need to go back to my dorm room (laughs) Uh, but yeah the the audio recordings are great (laughs) um but yeah i would say what i did actually uh was i went to franklin's Mm -hmm. uh, stood in the long line right did that and then i went over to the library so i i was like walking around on a on a brisket hangover but uh it was it was awesome yeah, uh, that museum so if you're ever out there anybody yeah. listening, go check yeah i don't out. live too amazing. far from franklin's actually i live oh nice just a few blocks nice. away yeah right but uh, there's plenty of presidential relatives that we know well perhaps sometimes too much about i remember as a kid my mom had like bought billy beer um, because she was like, this is going to be a collector's item someday. So we had Billy beer, like up hidden stashed in the kitchen somewhere, yeah. a six pack of Billy beer, uh, which Billy was the brother, I guess, of, mm-hmm. uh, Jimmy Carter. Yes, right. Um, so <laughs> there was that one. That was my first introduction to, uh, an interesting relative to, uh, a, a president. He, he was very outspoken. Uh, so, so 
there's that. But this, he was not the first. He's just the first I knew about. There's been plenty. So you, you kind of, uh, let's get into your your uh, your oh, article sorry. here a little bit. Yeah. You start way back. So who do you start with when you're when you're talking about uh, presidential relatives? The, the, probably one of the first crazy ones is probably Madison's stepson, who he raised as his own because. Uh, I don't know the story, but Dolly, you know, Dolly was a widow. Her her husband and one of her young children had died. I believe it was in the yellow fever outbreak, and and so he, you know, Adams, not Adams, um, Madison saw her and just went gaga over her. I believe it was Burr who did the introduction. In case you're curious, um, and she was just, you know, and. Uh, John, um, James Madison was this guy. He was short. He's about five, four. He wore black all the time and she was vivacious and beautiful. And they just kind of fell in love and got married. People were like, what? Those two. (laughs) And, uh, but she had a son from her first marriage who he raised as his own. And he was, um, for lack of a better word, a hellraiser. Uh, he, he liked his alcohol and he liked his, his, his indulgences he liked his gambling. Gambler, right? Yeah. He also yeah. liked charging all of that stuff to to, to dear old stepdad. Ah. And he, uh, on more than one occasion, uh, Madison had to uh, bail him, uh, like pay off his debts, bailed him out of debtor's prison, I think more than once too. I think wow. he said it at least once, I think. And... <sighs> Uh, he's the reason, uh, the son is one of the reasons the Madisons ultimately lost. Um, one of the main reasons they ultimately lost Montpellier was that he was really kind of spending them into wow. the, into the dirt and, or at least ba- hey, they were having to bail him out because Dolly would never say no to her baby boy. This will not understand. Mm-hmm. And so then what happens is Madison is kind of broke towards the end of his life and he winds up uh he winds up selling um a lot of his papers that's why we have so much on madison is he wound up selling his papers to the library of congress to kind of create some money so dolly had some money to live on oh wow and dear old son holds some of the really important ones back because you can monetize those uh, <laughs> Jeez. You know, he he kind of you know he right. skimmed, he skimmed some stuff apparently off the top wow. and then madison dies and then within a few years uh because of her son's habits uh she loses she has to sell the farm and then that's why over in dc it's real close to the white house there's this it's not it's not open to the public but there's this little yellow building and that's where she wound up living and she was practically a pauper towards the end of her life she didn't have much dollar didn't have much money at all and she yeah and and the son um the son just kind of you know spin thrift spin through away um when she died and i have photos it's like i do all this weird I'm, since I'm currently living in D.C. temporarily, I've been doing all this weird tourism. When she dies, she actually winds up in the public vault, I believe, at the Congressional Cemetery for a couple of years until they get enough money or enough stuff together to put her with her husband. And how, like, because now we've got all the social media, right? Like, uh, you can't look at Twitter without hearing about one of the relatives of one of the presidents at this point, right? It's like, it's, it's out there so much. How did they hear about this back then? Like, how, how do we know these stories about him? Well, I think a lot of, I think a lot of times we have this, this view of history that somehow we were better in the past and we were mm-hmm. somehow, uh, you know, more noble in the past. Maybe humans are humans. Humans have been humaning since we get human and back then, 
the newspapers were very partisan, unabashedly partisan. This idea of the objective press did not exist in this period. And mm. so there were more than enough between the gossip mongers of like the DC scene and other things, because, you know, and the political political opponents would be thrilled to get information so they could try to, you know, uh, maximize that advantage there. But they, um, the newspapers from the opposing political parties or opposing political interests were more than happy to usually publish any sort of salacious rumors. I mean, that's that's how we know half about the the the, the, the stuff the slanders on Jefferson was because from opposing political papers. Oh wow! So yeah. so, so like the uh, the. Uh... The, the cable news of the time. <laughs> yeah. more, more like the National Enquirer, right. but that, you know. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I do know of a, a brother of uh, LBJ. Wasn't it Sam, Sam Houston yeah. Johnson? Right? So he was also a, a, an outspoken one. Didn't Johnson order the, the Secret Service to monitor him? When he got a few cups in, he some people become morose drunks some people are sad drunks some people are happy drunks and some people are talkative drunks his brother was in the latter category uh he was a talkative one and so when he got a few cups in he would probably have told you his social security number if you asked him and so the so the secret service needed to 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 babysit him was probably the best way to put it uh to make sure that he indeed behaved uh when he was out because just because you're in a lot of times you don't know what you know i think it's the situation that's what johnson did it uh lyndon johnson did it is because if you're around people sometimes you don't know what you just sort of overhear or you see or hey that person was in the white house because some of that stuff doesn't get disclosed we didn't know nixon visited uh um with Elvis Presley for a couple decades, apparently, because that right. one was kept off the books. So I think that's why they wanted to make sure that his, he wasn't just disclosing, well, whatever came to mind. Right. It's it's amazing, though, that, that even that can be hidden. Like, really? Elvis stops by and hangs out with you and that's that's hidden? Yeah. Why would you even want to hide that? Wouldn't you want that out there? <laughs> like that? Well, my favorite part is he gave him a DEA badge. Right. Yeah. Uh, I believe it's yeah. true. I think it's in the movie, uh, one of the movies. I think it's true that Elvis wanted to give a gift to Nixon, so he brought guns to the White House. Right. Right. Yeah, I've heard <laughs> that too. Really? That's that that's what you're going to bring to the president? Like, bring a, t- a guitar. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or one of those like fried peanut butter sandwiches or something. Yeah. Johnson would probably like that. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. There was a bunch of this, I think, even with. Um, uh, what Neil Bush or uh, uh, was it Roger Clinton? Uh, like I remember, like these kind of smear things around them. Like in a way, it sort of humanizes the the, the president, doesn't it? Does I mean, is there benefit to this? Like some of these negative stories, you think? I think it can go both ways. I think I mean, I think some of it can humanize you. Uh, like my editor actually pulled some of the stuff on Neil that I wanted to put in there uh, uh, in that piece. Oh really? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> It depends on the tone of the time. I think some things are more seen more more salacious than in other times. Sometimes we don't care. Sometimes I think it does make them look human, or it makes them look, uh, or it makes the president look like you know they're hey, hey they're doing their best, man. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it looks like you know they're they've got crazy relatives and what the heck. 
why are these people within a hundred feet of the White mm-hmm. House? I, I think it does both. I, I think it. I think it just depends on the tone of the time. It depends on the, like who's in power. It depends on how partisan we are. You know, I think it also depends on the age of the relatives. Like when the Bush daughters, Austin shout out, got caught drinking with fake IDs at che- at, uh, at Chewy's. Um, <laughs> they were kids, but if you look at the Bush daughters, they, they're responsible adults who are living responsible adult lives. And while we might raise our eyebrow at underage drinking because it's wrong, and then when they when they would say, well, why didn't the Secret Service intervene? It's because the Secret Service's job is not to intervene. Secret Service's job is to protect them. So right. they, they can't, they actually couldn't take away the fake IDs. They just had to make sure they weren't in, you know, they weren't in danger. It, they're 19, 20 years old. That's different right. than like Billy Carter deciding to take a leak i think in his mid 40s <laughs> on a tarmac right. waiting for somebody who he's working with from libya which we were the united states government was really unhappy with libya he's just he has to ultimately register as a foreign agent because he's having these you know what the what the hell meetings with them because they're mm-hmm. kind of whining and dining him and he's standing out there with full press corps and decides to to pull his pants down and take a leak on a tarmac waiting for them so <laughs> he's in his 40s so we're looking at that going yeah you don't get a pass on that one right no. right yeah well so what does this do as far as like setting you know thinking about that okay well we had problems with libya at the time and now he's you know buddying up with them and uh, or even, you know, taking a leak on the tarmac. Like, what what does this do for policy? Does it change, like, the the way that the president, you know, sets policy or changes policy? Like, does it have any impact on that, you think? I think, yeah, I think it does. I, I think for people who want to ally themselves with the president, it looks like, in many ways, I mean, I know this sounds very old-fashioned, but if you can't control your own house... You know, sometimes mm-hmm. it makes it, you know, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing behind closed doors? Right. Uh, because, you know, his brother is an adult, but his brother reveled, I think, in the notoriety at the same token. And I don't think it, it showed a lack of fundamental respect of Jimmy Carter. I think Billy's antics that he didn't respect his own brother enough to at least like not make his brother's life worse. And he, in many, it looks like in many times he actively went out of his way to make his brother's life worse for his mm-hmm. own, like, personal either entertainment or personal gain. And I think that it makes it harder for allies to support the president. And also, I think it makes it it makes it easy for the um, for people who are antagonists or trying to challenge the president to go, hey, hey, you know, at, you know, at least, you know, my relatives know when to shut up. At what point does that just go away? Because I mean, people, you know, like it's sort of in in some ways becomes like a footnote, right? Like uh, William Franklin, the son of Benjamin Franklin, or I guess the illegitimate son of Benjamin Franklin, <laughs> if you digging digging further into it. But uh, he remained loyal to the British crown he, he, during the American. He wasn't War. from from his wife, but he was acknowledged. So yeah, yeah. So how you know, like it became a footnote. Like it's not even something. Like I had to dig to find this it's it's kind of interesting how like these things just kind of disappeared and i'm sure it was a big deal at the time right yeah well 
since I'm not a vampire, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I mean, I have run across that multiple times in reading. Mm-hmm. We have a idealistic view of the American Revolution. We look at it on this side of the water and go in like our current time and be like, it's almost like this was a preordained thing that we were going to win red, white, and blue America forever. All this wonderful stuff. It was a civil war. Mm -hmm. It, it, It was our, it was a civil war. It was a civil war between us and us. It right. was between the British, the the, the 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 British and the British, and we were we were all British citizens. It was a civil war. It was in, and and it was really between the colonies and the mainland, but it wasn't preordained. And there's a lot of people over here that remain loyalists. One of the reasons we don't have them anymore is they became what we also refer to as Canadians. Uh, we we threw out a lot of our loyalists at the end of the war, and many of them wound up immigrating up to up to Canada and some other places. Uh, and they they didn't stay, which was one of the reasons why our transition was smooth. But yeah, um, during the during the revolution period, lots of our relatives were uh, mm-hmm. were loyalists. And if you if you're an American and you're from if 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 you if your family's been here for a long time and you have those relatives up in Canada, you're running pretty good coin flipping odds that they may have been here first. Uh, okay, so uh, the other, you know, as I said earlier, it's hard to, you know, not like hear something about like, you know, one of the Trump kids or, or Hunter Biden or, you know, like these, I guess, kind of side characters in the in the elections, uh, you know, um, but that's because of social media. So because of social media are like, is this going to be just a bigger issue where now we've got all the relatives of all the future presidents like lined up on social media with their own little platform and um, we're just going to have more and more of these. Maybe. I mean, I think we, I think we have a responsibility as citizens to also, and I know that sounds kind of preachy and, you know, we always hear people get on their high horse and say that, but we have to take some of this with a grain of salt. I mean, it's not Mm -hmm. true. Not all of them. I mean, name all of Joe Biden's kids and grandkids. Most of us can come up with one. Maybe right. two, and what the one you usually come up with is the one that's deceased. There's a lot of them that don't really go out and seek the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know Bo because he's he's deceased, and then we know Hunter because he is entertain interesting. Interesting's a good word. There you uh, go. <laughs> and but on the same token, you know, I I you know I. You know, he also had a traumatic brain injury and was in the car accident where his mother was killed. Right. We know George W. Bush has had long-term trauma from the uh, the death of his sister. His sister Mm -hmm. died of leukemia when he was about, when he was really small. And the way the Bush, the parents, Barbara and George H.W. dealt with it is she went to the hospital and never came home. They didn't tell her she, they didn't tell George W. that she was sick. She just never came home. Jeez. And so when you talk, when we talk about George W and we talk about like his drug issues and things, when his child, a lot of that was fueled by, I think a lot of that trauma of losing a sibling, losing these people Mm -hmm. and not, you know, not really being able, not having people really helping you process it well. Right. Um, I kind of look at, I I, I look at Hunter and go, I, you know, I can't say it's equivalent, but you know, and I, I don't excuse his actions. I mean, his actions are just like, geez, what, 
you know, right. <laughs> whatever. Oh God. Yeah. But I, I, I see them as like a big hotbed of trauma. You know, it's like, it's like unresolved trauma issues. Also, you know, Hunter didn't choose or none of these relatives, you know, whatever. Alice Roosevelt didn't choose for Theodore to become president. Like right. she's rushed into the spotlight and has to deal with it in whatever way she can. Like that's, that's difficult too. Like I, I think of like, Oh, if my brother became president, like, well, my podcast is going to probably get more plays. That's cool. <laughs> you know? Alice had a lot of resentment and a lot of it was justifiable. I don't know how much you know about her life. Uh, her mother and her, I think her, uh, her mother and was it her grandmother died on the same day, I think. And so mm. she's newborn. Theater's response to this, to manage this, is to take off and go out west. And she's raised not around him for the first couple of years. Then he goes back and marries this girl who he loved it, like liked in his childhood, childhood girlfriend type of stuff or whatever acquaintance might be a better word for it. She doesn't like Alice because she reminds her of the first wife. Mm-hmm. So Alice is in a household where her father won't even call her by her first name because her, she was named after her deceased mother. And she's, you know, every time her dad looks at her, basically He's like, oh, you know, and he doesn't want to deal with her. She's got a stepmother that resents her. And the Roosevelt are a hyper-competitive family. Of course you're going to get a child. Uh, in a a family like that, if she takes anything after of of Teddy Roosevelt, because Teddy Roosevelt is one of my favorite presidents, but that's just because he is so extroverted uh is a good word to call it that and we'll leave it there uh but if she just inherits an ounce of that you're gonna have a kid who is um difficult to control and you have a kid that's difficult to control in alice and i think she had a lot of resentment she had a lot of resentment towards her dad she had a lot of resentment toward her stepmother you know when they tried to stick her into a, a boarding school she that's one of my favorite lines in all of presidential history i will embarrass you i there was some version of i know i'm just having to paraphrase now i don't know how but I will. <laughs> nice. You're just like chef's kiss, man. That's right. Beautiful. Wow. Um, let's go swinging all the way back when we started on this with like the presidential relatives. Uh, I was actually going to pull the Trumps in a little bit. Uh, Cause I think the Trumps okay. are a great example. You have the older ones that actively speak, seek the spotlight and they have to own it good and bad and everything in between. The youngest one, and, and I think to Melania's credit, has truly kept him out of the spotlight. She doesn't want him there. She has, you know, she's kept him out. And, and you know he would have been exploited and if, mm-hmm. if that had been allowed. And he's only a couple years away from a majority. And when he hits majority, if he wants to have a peaceful life and just become a footnote, I think he has the, I think the way they, she has managed him, he has the capacity to do so if he chooses to. Just to have a life that's not, like constantly on Twitter or constantly trying to do something, you know, send out, you know, reels or, or clips or things kind of like his older brother does. Uh, mm-hmm. That would be Don Jr. to, to, to capture attention. Cause I think a lot of that's attention sinking behavior more than anything else at times. Uh, so I think, I think a lot of that is in their hands. I think a lot of it's in the presidential child's hands or the presidential relative's hands on what they want i think there's always the honeymoon period where everybody's like oh look the relatives but like we saw like when joe biden got elected i think it was granddaughter or one of the relatives one of the daughters who was or one of the relatives that was into fashion she popped up really quickly but then she disappeared right 
Right. Yeah, I always think about that too. The kids, you know, like when they're when you're a kid and in the White House, right? Like you look at like the Kennedys, right? Like you know, you've got JFK Jr. Uh, underneath the desk and playing around, and uh, the daughters dancing around and stuff. Like those things. It's like you, you think about that. And it's so, you know, it's cute photos and whatnot. And it's cool that, you know, the president had little kids in the White House and whatnot. But what does that do to those kids to be surrounded by Secret Service and, you know, I mean, I let alone them with the, the trauma of their, their dad dying. But Well, I think it depends on how old they are. I do have a good JFK Jr. story they wouldn't let me put in that article. Uh, oh, well, we've got to hear that. It's personal. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, I heard, it, I heard it, so it's technically hearsay, but okay. I heard from a Secret Service agent. Uh, but. I think I think a lot of it, it it depends. I think the little ones, like the the story about JFK Jr. This is not that one, but what breaks my heart is, and this is it's public, is his birthday was around the time Kennedy mm-hmm. was killed, yeah. and so Jackie holds a birthday party for him the same day. They're going, they're they're burying, I believe, the man. Yeah. Because he's too little to understand. He doesn't understand. He's, you know, he would have been more upset about losing, not having his birthday party than he would be about a funeral. I think at that age, it doesn't matter. I think you see the Bush daughters, they um, particularly are in Chelsea's also a good example. They, they really resented a lot of Secret Service care. Right. The, the uh, protection. Uh, I know uh, Amy Carter resented a lot of the Secret Service protection because they wanted Amy Carter wanted a quiet life and she couldn't have it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the Bush daughters on camp because they were one of them um, uh, was on um, University of Texas's campus. I think it was Jenna. Uh, I remember there was my one of my fir- my first year at UT was like the year after she left, and some of the People, the students were said, "Oh yeah, we always knew when she was at the fraternity because that's when they had that they always had the SUVs parked there." Oh, Which geez. on one level you're like, "How secure is that?" You know, right? You know, and I, so I can I can sort of understand the resentment once if the kid picks up on that, right? Um, because she everybody always kind of knew exactly where she was. Um, mm-hmm. The JFK Jr. story, I'll tell you. Okay, uh, we got to do it. I'll do it. Uh, is uh, I was on a plane. And I just does this plane. It was like, and you know, you know, you know, person next to you, you're like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? You know, type of thing. Just making small talk. And this guy was, he was like, oh, I'm a secret service. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. I study presidents. And so we got talking. Yeah. Uh, and he, he, he was on JFK Junior Detail back when they were in New York in the apartments. Oh wow. Okay. And, uh, and this is just this would be after um, Kennedy's was deceased, and this is back when Jackie um, Onass- Kennedy Onassis was living in the, the New York apartments. And she, he said that uh, JFK Jr. used to drive him crazy because when he got bored, he'd go and he'd run into the kitchen and grab the eggs and then take the elevator, go downstairs and throw them at cars. The cars would stop and then the, then he would run back inside and the Secret Service had to clean up the mess. <laughs> wow. They said he was a little brat when he was, this was like probably when he was eight or nine or so. And they said, they said he used, he would do that. He did it a couple times just because he was bored. Oh, wow. Uh, okay well that's one i've never heard before i love that i hadn't heard it either um that's funny uh, he that one was a fun one i heard that one um yeah no i was that's how i got actually secret service is how i kind of got into presidency stuff because i grew up next door to a retired secret service agent so oh really oh okay okay you know one of the one of the people that i've i've always wanted to have on the show is clint hill Okay. Um, he's unfortunately like he's not doing interviews right now. I've I've 
tried it and, and, and trying to get him on there, but that would be so cool. Like, you know, he served five presidents. His books are amazing. Like, yeah, awesome. no, my, the, the guy, I won't give you his name. The guy I grew up next to, he, he worked on Eisenhower detail and Kennedy detail. Uh, oh, wow. he's not okay. doing well either from what I've heard, um, um, from my folks, but he's in his high eighties now. Uh, mm-hmm. he has told me some smack. I'm not quite sure if I want, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> uh how much I, uh, he's, right, I, I heard, right. Well, he's, I, heard a few, I heard a couple fun stories when I was a kid. Uh, okay. Like okay. Mamie Eisenhower did not have an inner ear problem, uh, which the family mm. claims. Uh, apparently she was screaming outside the white house windows one day um, after imbibing a little too much. And he said okay. he, had a, he and a friend saw her hanging out the white house in the press corps on the other side of the white house. And she was hanging out one of the windows yelling at somebody down on the lawn. And he said, that, he's like, I've never taken off in a full run so fast in my life uh, to get her back inside. Right. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, we got to, we got to start a podcast. Just, just you and I, uh, just political gossip, like or presidential gossip. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I can't verify that. Um, it's I found so the guy fun, to be though, the most straight dude I've ever met. He was a wonderful man. Right. Well, you know, I mean, you think about like the White House and you have this certain thing, like it's, you know, uh, uh, like this feel about it of just like, I don't know, this weirdness of like, it's weird, but this weird like perfection thing, like everything is is fine there. Everything's perfect there. Everything is, you know, but then you hear stories like this or, you know, whatever you they find drugs in it the other day. All these weird things that, they, that happen. Technically, they... Uh, they found them in the Remnants, um, like right? outside. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, it was okay. the area where all the tourists go in and out. So, right. I'm actually, I just got, I, I just booked a tour for the White House because um, you have to do it way in advance and just got it. Yeah. And one of the notices is you're not allowed to carry anything in, like no phones, no bags, no nothing. And I'm, I'm thinking, if this is in the tourist area, and they said no bags, so right? <laughs> What's in those bags? Right. Yeah, exactly. You're not allowed to, you're, you're essentially allowed to take, you're supposed to print your pass out. We're supposed to go like, you know, 1990 style and print print your pass out and bring a paper pass. You're not allowed to bring a phone in. You're not allowed to bring anything in. Uh, And it's a self-guided 45 minute tour. So I, uh, I mean, I'm going to do it because, Hey, it took me two months to get it, but. Exactly. Well, yeah, I, I, I've got to do that at some point. I've, I'm, I, I I have not been to DC. I've got to get out there because I mean, I'm a, presidential nerd i've been to a bunch of the libraries but but not uh yeah i've not there yet all over i've been nerding myself out in the cities we've been here for two my husband's been here for two years oh, so I bet. Yeah. yeah there's so there's so much there's so much history so here. much to see yeah yeah that's awesome well shannon uh, thank you so much you know for for joining me i was just like as soon as i saw this article i'm like we're gonna have fun because this will this will be cool Great. so i've enjoyed thank, it thank you so uh, much yeah, and we do got to mention your books uh and and where they're available and whatnot so uh what are your books and where can people get them okay um i might screw up the f- title for the first one because they renamed it on me but it's uh why president okay. speeches matter and that's actually based on my dissertation and that one is uh what I had this idea was, well, I mean, I study speeches. It's primarily what I write on, but is we always go, well, what did they say? What did they say? Well, okay, saying's great, but they also, the president w- could get an audience standing in a bathroom. So where they go matters. 
where they mm-hmm. choose to make speeches. Now, some of them they have to when there's disasters or other things, but where they go can tell us stuff. And so that book's got is all about um, like looking at census regions and media markets. And some presidents like to go to big markets, and some of them prefer small markets. Uh, you know, looking at uh, electoral college results. Most your most your presidents are what we what I call or what we call usually um, base reinforcers. They go places where they already love them a lot. Uh, when George W. Bush said, I'm a uniter, not a divider, uh, he meant it. He tried to go to the small places. They didn't like him. That, you know, but uh, he mm-hmm. went all across. Well, actually, he went to a lot of Democratic places. He went to lots of small places, and I should say they did love him. That's, that's why I backed off what I was saying. Uh, typically, presidents like to go to small places because the local press is much more favorable because the president's coming here. Oh, yes, he's coming right. here. Um, other thing, if you're going to read a chapter, um, my favorite chapter in there is the vacation locations. That was new stuff. And so I did this one on all the different vacation locations presidents go to and how they've used those. And some of them use them purely as vacation and some of them use them as white houses. One of my favorites, uh, weird president stories about that just very briefly is Mar-a-Lago was originally owned by Marjorie Merriweather Post who has a house here in D.C., who was the heiress, the sole heiress to the post fortune. You know, that cereal that we eat in the mornings. And what happened was she she envisioned Mar-a-Lago as becoming sort of like a uh, a diplomatic center, like the, I think it's the Annenberg Center out west. She envisioned Mm -hmm. having like a Camp David place down there. And... Then what happened is, well, Nixon already had, and Nixon did a flyby and he already had his Key Biscayne residence. So he was just like, pass, I'm not interested. But she gave it to the, the, to the, to the government. And then when Jimmy Carter did a lot of downscaling and giving rid of lots of stuff, he got rid of a lot of things that just the, 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 the United States had, because it was costing a million dollars a year to keep up Mar-a-Lago just to keep the lights on. So they wound up giving it back to the Post family, and then they wound up, uh, or the foundation, I think, at that point, and then they sold it a year later or so, and they sold it to Donald Trump. So it's like, it's almost like you hear, at least for me in my head, I hear like the, the Lion King's the circle of life uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, coming back yeah. into play uh, over that, because um, the vacation locations are kind of neat. Uh the other book is Donald Trump and the Kayfabe Presidency. Most people don't know what the word kayfabe means. And kayfabe uh, actually is a wrestling term, which means it's fake, but you pretend it's real. Mm. And I um, give you a little background. because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not like a wrestling person per se, but oh, back in 98, 99, I was teaching English in Budapest, Hungary. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I did that for a year. And one of the only American language programs on, on Friday nights, was wrestling. And I watched (laughs) the heck out of wrestling. Uh, Because I I missed, you know, I'm from Kentucky. I missed my English. There was a lot of British Mm -hmm. English floating around, but I missed my English, man. And wrestling, wrestling had my English. And... (laughs) So I watched a lot of that. And then when Donald Trump started running for the presidency, I was like, you know, it's kind of the back of your brain. You go, where have I heard that before? Wait, wait, what, what? And there was like, and there was like, whoa, mm-hmm. it's wrestling. Mm-hmm. That's wrestling. 
And so that book's all about how he's using wrestling tactics and techniques. And I talk about some other people that have been media, people that have used the media historically too in there, but how he's used this to, uh, because he's in the wrestling hall of fame, how he uses this language and this rhetoric and how he tries to manufacture reality, uh, which I'm fascinated by manufactured realities uh, on how mm-hmm. you create spaces. Disney's a great example, how you create spaces and you make people feel like certain behaviors are normalized within those spaces. And wrestling does that as well. Screaming at people, being antagonistic to people. You do that on the street, you get arrested. You do that in a wrestling arena, it's just Tuesday. <laughs> and how we normalize those sorts of behaviors in certain types of spaces, I'm very fascinated by. I think actually, you know, we got to, I, I got to throw out like Reagan, right? Like Reagan and the way that he would set up the areas around his speeches, like these beautiful locations and like, it's so, so much, and you know, it's the whole actor thing and Hollywood thing, but he would make such a big deal out of it. I don't know if you've been to that, that library. That's a fun library. I have Talk about not. I was thinking, have I, uh, no, I've, I've been in Nixon. I've only, I only had time to hit oh, one okay. out in California and I went to Nixon. I wanted to go to Reagan. Okay. That's, it's on my list. To oh, see. Reagan. You gotta, you gotta get out there just, yeah. just to walk on air force one there. Um, they have it set up like it was in the eighties. Oh, that'd be great. And so you got the big, the big suitcase, like, um, you know, uh, laptop thing that they had and all the communication devices from the eighties. That's actually one of my favorite Reagan pictures of all time is Reagan on air force one, like, uh, business on the top and party, party waist down. He's got sweatpants (laughs) on. He's got like sloppy (laughs) sweatpants on the rest of us wear every other day of the year. And then above Mm -hmm. it, he's got like a a, a business shirt and a a tie. And you're just just like, (laughs) I love that photo. That's beautiful. Um, but yeah, you can see that it's, it's such a cool one. So you gotta, you gotta go check that one out and I'll, I'll at some point get out to DC and check out all the stuff out there. I gotta, gotta make it happen. Uh, well, Shannon, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Um, totally love nerding out with you and, and we'll have to do it again at some point. Sure. I'm happy to come back on. I've really enjoyed it. So it's been a lot of fun. So thank awesome. you. Thank you for awesome. having me. Yeah, and and uh, thank you for for listening to uh, learning more more topics coming up. Uh, finally, getting back into the rhythm here. I did a little, you know, vacation and all that stuff. And oh man, beautiful vacations. At some some point, I'm gonna have to bring up that and just do a whole episode just on my vacation. I'll, I'll show slides. I'm sure people will be fascinated by it. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing, and I will learn more with you next time. <laughs>